This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Well, good evening, guys. It's nice to have you all here. How you been? Good. Good. Won't complain. Mm-hmm. No complaints. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm joined. That's a new, this, that's a new voice. Yes. Voice well, we're joined tonight by our usual guests, Eric and Ian. And that other voice you hear, well, folks, it happened. It finally happened. Our friend Kenneth Bacor from the EV Revolution Show has come onto the show. I graciously invited him, and uh, he graciously allowed to uh, come onto the show and talk to us tonight. So, yes, our good old friend Ken is still alive and kicking and doing his thing, and figured we'd have him on the show tonight. A little chat. <laughs> Are these age jokes? Are you like just Ken at the outset? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old, alive, and kicking. Old, okay. alive. Okay. Well, you know start. what? It's no. a rousing yeah. endorsement. He's not a baby in a high chair trying to get fed with baby food. <sighs> We're all getting older every day. Uh, we are. No, yeah. thank you for that. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yes, this is not the voice of doom. It's just little old me. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's no problem. You know what? I was just thinking about this today because um, I'm still getting comments once in a while on the YouTube channel or on Twitter or whatever. Um, anytime your name comes up and people are yeah. like, whatever happened to Ken? And did you guys have yeah, a falling out or anything like that? So I figured, you know what, maybe before we begin, we just kind of maybe take the opportunity and kind of clear the air a little bit because we should. I, I, I feel bad because in the sense that we never really explained what happened. <laughs> I thought we did, but maybe we didn't. No, I don't think so. So maybe Ken, why don't you take the helm I, and let everybody know what I've really went down. I've talked about blue in the face. Listen, folks, if you're looking for a scoop on some National Enquirer headline, there isn't <laughs> anything here. No aliens abducted me and took me away or anything like that. No, it's, uh, you know, I got into this uh, with the Model 3 reveal. That sparked my interest in EVs. I had looked at EVs a little bit prior to that. But that's what, you know, got me passionate about it, put my money down and then uh, did some digging and found Trevor's site, the forum, and said, uh, did a little investigating and figured out that this guy was Canadian and not far from me. So I approached him and said, hey, you feel like doing, you know, a YouTube show or a podcast or something? And he says, yeah, let's do a video and kind of build a following and get the, everybody excited about EVs and promote the cause. And, you know, we did that with the Model 3 Owners Club for a year and a half or so, couple, almost two years, I guess, since I was on it. Um, but I also, I wanted to bring in, I realized that this movement's global. It's not just one vendor. It's not just one country or state. It's all over the place. So always had the back of my mind that I wanted to cover more global coverage and knowing the market would grow and even what, what everybody can see today, it's really only a small market. It's just going to go ballistic in the next this decade coming. So knowing that that was going to happen, I wanted to kind of take the show um, into that realm. And, uh, uh, you know, Trevor is very passionate about Tesla and wants wanted to stick with that as a subject matter. So I said, great, you know, you're 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 helping to get butts into EVs. I want I want to do the same thing because that's my goal is to promote the cause. So, you know, let's start the EV rev show. Help me kick it off for a few episodes. Then I'll take the reins and keep going and we'll we'll broaden the reach of the, the goodness. Yep. Is so that there fair, it is. Trevor? Yep. I think I got it there. Yeah, that's exactly right. So <laughs> yeah. that that yep. was part around the time because I was thinking about rebranding Model 3 Owners Club because I felt like I painted myself into a bit of a corner, right? Mm -hmm. So at the time, uh, you know, Ken and I had agreed, you know, we, we rebranded and did the EV revolution thing. And I said, Ken, you take the reins because I want to refocus on the Tesla stuff. So mm -hmm. no, it was totally amicable and stuff. And unfortunately, yeah. I don't think we were quite clear enough on exactly what ha happened. So I figured... I thought we were. Yeah, I thought so too, but... 
I don't know. For some reason, we still get the odd question, whatever. But anyways, it's we all did. good. We're friends. We've done We're videos together. You guys, you guys are like Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. You guys are both part of Genesis. You each did your own thing, and you guys are doing well on your own. <laughs> if I only played an instrument, you know. He does. Yes, so. I don't. He plays several. But. <laughs> so who, who's Phil and who's... Yeah. <laughs> no, well, my <laughs> airline's Trevor, a little more If Trevor only yours, focused yeah. on one, he'd actually be good at something, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice so anyways that's what uh, happened no, and sure. we have done videos yeah. together we've done some mm -hmm. uh, product reviews before we did the um the front trunk uh products by the uh, guys at oscar and hamish yeah and uh we did the model y review together earlier, earlier this year, year. Yeah. so and there will be more. With the Taycan a little bit yes yeah. oh yes that's right we did the Taycan. that was, that was, that was yeah. lots of fun so yeah. yes uh, ken and i are very good friends we still uh, collaborate on things once in a while so all's good folks it's, it's it you know, it's all good. Um, They're Canadian. What kind of disputes can Canadians possibly yeah. have? Hey, did you take my beaver? <laughs> I mean, come on. We don't get mad. We just get passive aggressive. That's all. <laughs> and then we apologize for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> Um, Ken, since we had on the show, um, I know that uh, I think most people understand um, at uh, uh, a couple years ago, anyways, you had uh, bought yourself a Nissan Leaf. Mm -hmm. um, and you had that for what? The better part of a couple of years, right? Almost two and a half years, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and now you've recently purchased yourself a uh, all-wheel drive Model 3. Correct. And I figured, you know what? Let's uh, let's have Ken talk about his experience of the Leaf. And now that you're into the Tesla uh, world, what, what, what has been your experience between the two cars? What do you like about yeah. one and, and, you know, pros and cons on both? Because, you know, on this show, we talk about Tesla for the most part. And, but I'm, I'm curious to see what a, what a Leaf owner thinks of the Leaf compared to the Model 3 now and vice versa. Yeah, you know, it's, it's great questions, and thank you for asking. I, I have been uh, asked that kind of many times in the last couple of months now since I got the Model 3. But, you know, as you know, and as I said earlier, I got into this EV revolution mindset with the excitement for the Model 3 reveal. You know, seeing a car that would have the capabilities and uh, satisfy my needs, that was always in the back of my mind that that was the car I was going to eventually get. My plan was to actually get a Model 3 and keep the Leaf. But COVID had different situations where we had an opportunity to downsize from three vehicles in the family to two. Uh, you know, when you factor in operating costs on, on, a, on a second ICE vehicle, insurance, and yada, 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 depreciation, it's like, why do we need to keep a third vehicle? So um, the LEAF is, was running great. I got the LEAF because at the time I couldn't afford the top-of-the-line Model 3 when we still had our provincial incentives back in 2018. They went away and we knew that they were going away because we knew that a government was coming in that was anything with the word green in it was being ripped out and, you know, yeah. uh, out of all anything that was in print. So knowing that the clock was ticking and I didn't want to lose $14,000 because that's what it was at the time, our provincial incentive. So I looked around. I looked at every available vehicle that was uh, out at the time in 2018 and settled on the leaf. In fact, I actually put a deposit on eGolf first because I really loved the e-golf, the fit and finish, the drivability. You know, it's a golf. It's fun. Yeah, it doesn't have crazy range. But I said, oh, to get my feet wet into this industry, I can live with that. You know, I'm just driving mainly local. I can use another car if I have to go farther, whatever. Uh, but they told me it was going to be a year waiting list. Yeah, it was uh, pretty bad with the golf. So, yeah, you saw that, right? It was mm -hmm. crazy. So I said, I can't wait a year. going to lose the 
going to lose the incentive. So the next best, uh, the next, my next pick was the Leaf, and also it was a family decision. And I say that because my wife drives. You know, we swap cars all the time. And have you've met her, uh, Trevor? She's not the tallest person in the world. Mm-hmm. So ergonomically, uh, the vehicle needs to fit her for what she could. She can drive. She can reach the pedals and be comfortable and be safe driving it. And uh, so, you know, out of all the ones we looked at, uh, the the Golf and the Leaf were two that were very comfortable for her ergonomically. So it was my second choice. And the dealer said, yeah, I'll get you one in three months, way before the incentives run out. And, you know, at, out the door, it was a really bargain price for me. Uh, even had a car to trade in. I uh, sorry, no, it didn't trade in a car. But, um, you know, it was, it was a really good price with the incentive. So got the Leaf. <clears throat> Drove it for two and a half years, zero issues, zero emissions is my tagline for that vehicle. Never had a problem with it. It just went. The only thing I kept gnawing for a little bit was, gee, I wish I had just that little more range, <laughs> especially in the winter, right? Yeah. As we're, we were talking about before rolling here, that is getting colder now, and we're starting to see that drop. So, uh, but my plan was, you know, to get for me to to shift my primary vehicle to the Model 3 eventually. And then my wife would take over the Leaf because she drives 30 kilometers a day. And all the main driving we do, I do. And we go as a family on weekends and stuff. So something with longer range, the Model 3 would fit the bill. So that's how we eventually got into the Model 3. And we made a decision over the summer to, uh, uh, in fact, uh, we, we booked a test drive because during COVID you, you have to book test drives and make an appointment and wear your masks and they clean the cars for you. So we went down to Oakville one Saturday, took my wife, let her drive it. And that was the, the deal sealer, basically. Oh, yeah, it, was, it always hey, is. Hey, I can drive it. I mm-hmm. love it. It's really cool. It fits me. So uh, then we ended up uh, running some numbers over the summer and then finally said, OK, let's do this. And then she said, yeah, let's let's trade the leaf. Uh, we don't need uh, three cars. Uh, and because I was already going to trade a nice car. So we had two ice cars in the leaf. So we en- ended up trading in an ice car, selling one of our ice cars, trading in the Leaf, and uh, getting the Model 3. So that's how I got to be finally on the TOO. Here I am <laughs> to earn my and, way in. Though. And you're uh, you're happy with the Tesla at this point? Yeah, you know, I'm very happy with the Tesla. Um, I expected um, really no issues because they've worked their, their, their... I've been following, of course, Tesla since then and, and monitoring things and, and seeing all kinds of folks with, with different... Uh, uh, with lots of Model 3s. And small issues aside here and there i wasn't worried about it they i have to admit the whole process was so easy it was actually anticlimactic and mm-hmm. i think everybody says the same thing not like when you know people went to the international center and they were you know oh. all the big uh, fanfare that all that stuff yeah. happened right here in toronto when they were doing deliveries this was pretty mediocre it was like uh okay you know what it'll be six to nine weeks put the order i actually went to to uh, one of the tesla stores to sherway just so I could talk to somebody to put the order in because that's how I'm used to dealing with <laughs> buying cars. I got to deal with somebody. This <laughs> online stuff, like for a car, really? <laughs> but yeah. uh, so I said, look, at least at least talk to me. So the guys were really good, walked through some stuff and put the order in. And then they uh, it said 69 weeks and it was bang on. It was about seven weeks uh, from order to delivery. Um, got the, the delivery moved instead of Oakville to Vaughn because Vaughn was recently opened, as, as you know, Trevor. Um, and they weren't that busy. They were just starting. It was their second week of doing delivery. Mm-hmm. So I said, great. And mid-September came along and went to Vaughn and picked it up and, you know, did my uh, did my mediocre inspection. I kind of knew what to look for, uh, you know, watching videos and hearing reports. But I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. So a couple, really the only issues that I've had, the only issue I had was some wind noise in the driver's window, which they fixed. I booked a service follow-up service appointment. It's fixed. 
So have you ex- have you experienced uh, mobile service yet? Uh, they were going to come mobile, uh, and they and then they changed it to coming in. So originally they were going to send a tech out, and then they said, "No, come on in." And then I monkeyed around with the headlights and uh, didn't. You know, I figured I can set them myself, and then people are flashing me at night. So I go, "I think I've mucked something <laughs> up." So uh, I went in, and they fixed that for me for free. So I've had I've been in a couple times, cost me nothing, but you know, a half an hour of time, very easy going, very nice people. In fact, Mississauga is the place to go because that's not that busy at all. Mm, so I've never been there. Yeah, that's the really thing really about nice Teslas there. is that. Uh, you know, nobody likes to bring their car in to fix anything because, you know, we spend yep. all this money. We don't expect to have problems with these cars, but they are mechanical mm-hmm. things. Things do happen. It doesn't, doesn't matter the manufacturer. But uh, mobile service is truly wonderful when you do experience it, it. I mean, it's a very nice experience compared typically to the previous dealer yep. thing. Um, you bring up some um, some interesting points, and uh, I kind of want to roll back time a little bit and, 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 talk, and talk about our experience. Do you remember when... We got <clears throat> access to one of the very first Model 3s. I talk about and, it all and, the time, Trevor. <laughs> and, it and, still comes up in conversations. And, yeah, yeah, and um, so yep. uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I, I want you to tell the viewers how that came about and where we went and oh, okay. uh, what went down and kind of the, the fun stuff and, and how much has changed since those early days because um, yeah. and it was a very low VIN, of course, so. It was. So this was one of the very, very first, quote unquote, public releases, non-employee purchases. So when Tesla started rolling out the threes, you and I were at the July event, right, for the first 30 deliveries, which was a blast. After that, they had started, you know, rolling more out to employees and friends and family and all that stuff. And this was by the information that we had received with you uncovering some good information and your through your network of contacts who shall remain nameless um i think you're you've got more contacts than the cia but that's another story <laughs> wow. when it comes to tesla I don't stuff think so. i don't think so <clears throat> but you know we got wind of a delivery that was to uh, not an employee and said okay let's go let's meet this person and we t- had a conversation and said we'd love to come down and do a video show people show the world what the model 3 is really like before it hits the showrooms for everybody else and this gentleman was kind enough to say yep come on down so you want me to say where we went yeah sure is is okay? yeah we've talked about it before so yeah, that's fine we have yeah so we ended up uh flying getting on a plane and flying down to texas um i'm trying to remember was it austin or? austin it was awesome, Yeah, because right? we yeah. had barbecue, okay. remember? Yeah, I know we had the barbecue. It was really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's another story. Hopefully, I'll go back to Austin You, you don't have to be in Austin to have barbecue in the state of Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can be anywhere in Texas. As soon as you cross the line, it's welcome to right. the barbecue state. Shout out to our friend John. He's the owner. Really great yes. guy. He was so gracious so, to us and stuff. So. He was uh, over-accommodating, helped us out. We spent two days with it, you know, with the, the better part of two days, uh, doing some initial videos and then road tests and going to barbecue and all this other places, driving around. So it was great. And, you know, I was ecstatic of seeing the Model 3. And, and uh, you asked me about how things have changed. I mean, my first comment, I think probably the only comment that I had at that time was, it's a little louder than I thought it was going to be. So I thought I could hear the motor whine a little bit more than I thought I would. That was probably the only thing negative that I could find on it. I wasn't looking at fit and finish and all this kind of stuff. I was. I was just looking. I know you were. So you were that. I was looking at drivability and comfort and just all around. You know, I mean, I knew the thing would fly like a missile, 
when you punched it and all that stuff. So it was a it was a great experience, and it got me even more excited about the Model Three after that. It was a really fun experience, and I think maybe I'll spend just a couple of minutes here and just kind of fill in a little bit more color into the yeah. background and hold this whole thing down because. Um, when we got all the footage and I, I got back um, after our discussions, because there's a whole backstory here and I'll reveal a little bit more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, remember, these were cars that were going to friends and family employees and Tesla was very vehement about the fact they didn't want anybody filming these cars. These yes. were early production cars. There were going to be issues. Um, it was very important that Tesla got positive press on these cars. Um, so we agreed and, and we said, yes, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that, um, I mean, this was our agreement between the owner and ourselves that, uh, that we, we would do our best to bring us, bring the, the information to the population that the people were, what we're looking for. They wanted measurements because Tesla was yeah. super quiet about it. And I went in fully expecting to have early production problem. I mean, they're brand new cars. I mean, and, and there were certainly a, a share, a, its fair share of flaws. Um, I think the most glaring one was the early software on the cars. Uh, we didn't sure. show how many yes. times that damn thing rebooted. <laughs> True. True. Uh, so it was pretty rough in the early days. But the drivability of the car was fantastic. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we were very impressed with the... Uh, uh, with the headlights on the car, even though that they're not, I mean, not the best, but they were certainly a lot better than we'd seen in the past. And at the end of the day, when we got back, um, because of the fact that Tesla, and, and we were actually forward with Tesla, we actually told them that we yes. had access to a car, um, and uh, that we were going to film it. And they said, we don't want any videos on this. Please don't release anything. Yeah. And we thought, well, we're going to do this in a positive note. What 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 could they take uh, offense against? Anyways, so mm -hmm. the bottom line, when we came back, we went through, I went through, because I edited the video, I went to great lengths to hide the location of where we were because we didn't want any repercussions, right? Yep. This guy was being, mm -hmm. giving us a good solid. Um, we wanted to show the car and give people the information that they wanted and not do a formal review in the sense that this sucks or this is good or whatever. It mm -hmm. was just like, let's just show the car. What, what are all the little tips and tricks? Anyways. Um, we actually sat on the video for about, what, three weeks? Yeah, almost a month. And, and you know, Trevor is referring to the contacts. I mean, it was it was the Tesla press group at the time that we were dealing with, that we were having these conversations. And, uh, yeah, they just they just kept stonewalling us, said, no, we don't want it out, we don't want it out. And we're going, like, why? You know, I mean, yeah, people are chomping at the bit for information. They're still going to have to wait a, f a few more months for, for till deliveries really start rolling out. We're, we're painting this in a good light, as you said, Trevor. You know, so we were kind of dumbfounded to why they were stalling us. So eventually we said, let's go. We, when we got confirmation, I think that the, that this was a public delivery um, and there were others starting that yeah. we pulled the trigger. Yeah, that's when we decided. Because we could have released it a lot sooner. We could, but yeah. we were trying to be nice and trying to work with Tesla at the time. And um, anyways, yeah. So we released it uh, on a technicality. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And uh, well, it did it did phenomenally well. And, and it's, things have happened it, on it, it scratched so. an itch that people had. And yeah, uh, the, video, the video did phenomenally well. Yeah. And... Um, Tesla's still been good to us, so it wasn't yeah. really an issue at the end of the day. I understand and hey, their position. And there's no more press department, so yeah, well. we don't have to worry about them anymore. <laughs> They're all gone. Anyways, good fun days. We had a lot yeah. of fun. It was it was great stuff. Listen, I, I just kind of want, want to roll back um, because you had the Leaf for basically two and a half years. Yeah. Now you have the Model Three. What's mm -hmm. what, what was your experience of charging the Leaf? Because I know you did a lot of um, business trips and stuff with it compared to yes. what you have now. What's your opinion of 
of of the charging situation, say with the supercharger. I'm assuming you've done some supercharging. I have. Okay. Compared to yeah. what you had to go through with the Leaf. You know, our favorite place is Collingwood and, and points beyond that, uh, driver. Uh, so yeah. we've already, what you know, it's COVID. What can we do today? Oh, let's go for a three-hour drive and, and not think about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it is a different experience. You know, when people ask me about, about EVs and I start explaining the options and they ask about the, the Tesla products, you know, the secret is still, you know, the software, the OTA, um, the the best battery management still on the planet, in my opinion, for everything that they do, and the, the supercharging network. Those are still com, com, compelling value adds that Tesla has that nobody else really has yet. Some people I'm call sure it a it's moat, going to become right? the norm. Yes, exactly. You could say the Taycan's kind of there because they could support up to 350. They can do some OTA. Okay, so, but you know that's a $200,000 plus vehicle for all intents purposes. So. Um, that's still the secret sauce of Tesla, and you know everybody else tries to compete, or they just they deliver a product that works as well as it does. And the Leaf works as well as it does. What it's what, it's, what it does. I uh, I did do some long trips, <clears throat> never really had a problem with it. I did do one winter trip though to Windsor, so from Toronto, from where I am to Windsor, it's about uh, three hours, three and change. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget how many kilometers, 300, let's say three and change kilometers. And, and that was during a freezing rainstorm where temperatures and then plummeted. So that was a day where I had to charge three times to get back. Wow. Whereas probably in the model three would have been once, you know, yes. pick, pick a spot from that destination. So that would have been the only negative thing I would have had to say about the leaf. As far as drivability, you know, acceleration was fine. Uh, you, even you know some people complain that the the nav system is kind of outdated and that kind of stuff it, you know it worked for me and plus i have the phone so you know whatever pick one uh, the apple carplay and everything worked well so it was a fun car to drive and i never had a problem with it from that only thing is that it would the best i could probably pull out of it on a charge or put into it would be probably 46 or 47 kilowatts that's mm. the best i ever got yeah, that's that most, about Microsoft. the most i ever ever put my car using the chat yeah. adapter yeah so i want to i want to i want your opinion sorry guys if you have questions yeah. jump in but i have, yeah, please I, have jump in. <laughs> I mean please it's not my show i'm just i'm just here for you know <laughs> to add some youth and vigor to the show apparently i see whose show this is no <laughs> I, listen this is not a leaf versus a tesla thing i'm just well, curious I, right absolutely the yeah. question yeah. the question that really came to mind for me uh at the outset and in, in understanding the leaf to tesla migration i tend to liken it to the pc to mac upgrade like those two Ooh. transition from one to the other like they both do a lot of the same things yep. but there is just that culture around mac that you tend to find around tesla vehicles and i'm wondering did you feel yep. the same sort of like now i get it feeling going from like pc to mac and then from your leaf to to the tesla it's a great analogy, Eric, and I would definitely say that it is on that track. Um, I think the advantage I had is I already knew as much about the Tesla as I as you know beyond the, the normal people that are looking at EVs because I've been following this market. You know, Trevor's a, a wealth of information, so I pick his brain all the time about stuff and watch what what you guys do and others. So I'm always in the know. So it wasn't that big of a transition. Certainly, though, from a from a usability perspective, that's when I made the transition. It's funny you say that because I did make a transition from PC to Mac. Yes. And the reason was <laughs> usability. I could, mm-hmm. and, and productivity more so. I could open my Mac and be productive doing something in seconds versus 
having to wait for the PC to boot up, even if it's in sleep mode, it's always some little thing and then getting stuff going. That's how I got into the Mac world originally and then just stuck with it because of the ease of use. And then, of course, the ecosystem, everything they built around it. Um, and I would, I would certainly use that analogy towards the Model 3 and the Tesla ecosystem. I just get in the car and I go and I don't think about anything else. And I take advantage of the tools and, and the offerings that the vehicle has, um, which is different than in, in some of the other vehicles that are out there. Um, it really is. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say it's better or worse than others because everybody's got a different opinion. And everybody wants different characteristics and different functionalities. Uh, but for me, the biggest um, change that I've seen is just I'm not I'm not thinking about range anymore. Even in winter now, I'm still. I mean, with COVID, we're really not driving. I'm not seeing customers. Right, I go. I, I do go to my office, which is about between there and back, about 50 kilometers, so 30 miles or so each day, which is nothing for for all bevs pretty well out there nowadays, even in winter. So uh, the only time we're taxing it is I'll say, hey, let's 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 go up to Tobabori for a drive for kill the day and let's do that, you know, and stop once to supercharge. So which is, again, a very simple process of just plug it in and going to grab a coffee and coming out and you're done. You're ready to go in most cases. So uh, so the transition was really easy for me to make because I already knew what I was getting into and I'd already had, you know, a Model 3 at the back of my mind anyway, that that was going to be another vehicle in the family at some point in time. So my question is, since yeah. you had the Leaf and you've driven lots of other mm -hmm. electric cars from other manufacturers, um, opinions of... Nissan's ProPilot, everybody else's system, and Autopilot? Good question, because I have been trying trying them out when I do get the vehicles. Um, I have to say that Nissan's ProPilot is very good for what it is. For a single camera, single radar system, it's actually really good. Um, it Lane keeps extremely well, better than most systems. Probably not, not better than the Model 3, but very close. It doesn't ping pong. It's pretty good at keeping steady in the lane. Um, I find with all the systems out there, including the Model 3, they tend to either speed up aggressively or slow down aggressively if somebody comes into your lane or leaves a lane. If you're, you know, if you're on adaptive cruise, as an example, and you have your spaces set and then the guy moves out of your way and then it'll speed up, you know, again to uh, or if he slows down, it, it, you know, I find there's a little bit of that. So sometimes I kick it off to just run it in manual. Um, and Nissan did the same thing with that. I found found that uh, to be the case. But as far as lane keeping, uh, that goes very, very good on the ProPilot. It's, it's for, for what it is, it's a good system. So, so ProPilot 2, uh, I think, uh, which, which will come on the Aria and some more enhancements with more sensors and I think multiple cameras will be much better. It'll be really, really good. Um, I found... I'm trying to think like the bolt was okay, but you know, uh, I think I have to go back and think of some of the reviews, but some of the other lane keeping isn't that good. They do a lot of ping ponging and, you know, trying to go around a, 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 um, an easy curve, they'll lose their mind and start disengaging and stuff. And I find, I find the Kia's to be pretty good. So that I keep sometimes, you know, if people watch the shows and listen to my podcast as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll start harping about the, the Koreans, you know, whatever Kia and Hyundai are doing, it's really good. You know, both from a BMS and a battery, and even though they're electrifying, and for most cases, you know, ICE vehicle platforms, they're taking that the chassis and just putting EV stuff in it. It's very, really good systems. You know, I was really surprised with the Soul and the Kona. 
um, and the uh, the Nero, you know, the capabilities of yeah. those vehicles for I, that I would, kind of stuff. I would agree with you. You know, yeah. Hyundai and Kia are the ones to really watch, aside from Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, those are the guys really to watch. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the three ID three or you know the ID four yet, so I can't comment. Well, unfortunately, but, the ID three is not coming to Canada. It's not coming to Canada. No, not in that form. No, and I th and I think that's a mistake because I think that mm -hmm. car would do exceptionally well because. Unlike America, we have a big love of hatchbacks. We love yep. golfs. I mean, every other car around here is a golf. Ah, but the only thing we love more than hatchbacks, is, Trevor, is an SUV. <laughs> That's very true. That's true. That's very true. And if you're so, west of Ontario, it's pickup trucks. Yeah, no, we, we, I, I totally understand why they decided to forego the, you know, the ID3 in favor of the ID4, mainly because yep. of the SUV. That's where the market is. But I still think the ID3 would would do phenomenally well here. But hey. You know, Volkswagen's going to be Volkswagen, right? Um, you have basic autopilot on your car? You didn't pay for FSD? That is correct. I just have basic autopilot for now. Um, I run the beta FSD just to get a bit of the visualization, not not from the current Just release. the visualizations. Cause, uh, just well, just that. to be clear, folks, uh, nobody in Canada has FSD beta yet. So when Ken says FSD, he's talking about the visualizations, not the full FSD beta. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking yes. of which, have you been watching any of the videos of the true FSD beta? I have. What do I you have. think? What do you think? You know, it's pretty impressive what it can do, um, especially some of the ones that people are showing with longer runs where they're driving for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. I've seen one where a guy's going through some roundabouts. I think it navigates. Okay. It's really impressive. There's no doubt that the technology is impressive. I'm a little hesitant when it comes to jumping in to full autonomy myself, uh, because I think the human race in general are terrible drivers. <laughs> We're, we're really? stupid you don't as say. a human race, right? <laughs> we're doing a lot of things that we shouldn't be doing. And um, we're very unpredictable when it comes to that. So you can write algorithms and have sensors so you can react. But, you know, um, there's a degree of unpredictability that I don't think any program can or any any type of AI is there yet to deal with. Um, and, you know, and I say things like all of a sudden if a guy wants to do a UE in front of you. I mean, and you're too close to be able to stop. People will do this kind of stuff, right? Um, as an, so that is what, what scares me a little bit about full autonomy and then, of course, the whole legal ramifications and, mm. and insurability and regulations. But the tech that I'm seeing is – I'm very surprised. At. I know originally it was a little clunky, but it seems to really be smoothing out now. As yeah, it's they, the, I think they've done – and I haven't been 100% counting, but uh, I think they've done about five major releases of this FSD beta yes. in, the, in the teams of the people that have it. Um, I think it should be clear that anybody who's a w uh, listening or watching the show need to understand that Tesla has given special permission to call it 25 people, maybe in the U.S., to be able to show uh, FSD beta on social media. They still have a large cadre of testers um, right. that are still doing this over and above what you see. So you're only seeing a little tip of the iceberg as far as the testing or capabilities. So if you uh, if you think that these are the only people that have FSD, I got news for you. <laughs> there's, there's a much larger uh, cadre of people that have that. And if I may, I want to piggyback a bit on what Kenneth is saying, because I, I agree wholeheartedly, and we've talked about this on the show before, which is even if you allow full autonomous vehicles, level four, level five autonomy, especially here in the US, there are so many environmental factors that the vehicle itself cannot control. We can't control pedestrians, cyclists, debris, construction sites, other vehicles, et cetera. And as a human driver, I'm in constantly, especially here in South Florida, because of how populated we are, of having a lot of 
outlier situations, which it's good for the car to learn from that. I know that all of the years that Autopilot's been out there, it's learning from each of these different incidents as the reports get uploaded into Tesla servers, and then someone sits and reviews the videos and see how they can counter that. But I, I can imagine there's still going to be real-world scenarios that the vehicles can't predict, can't really foreshadow and see ahead a certain distance because all of a sudden something could, could just come out of nowhere. And then how would a driverless vehicle then handle that? Who's responsible? There's a lot of questions that still come from that. And I think it's imperative that more companies that are trying to devise these solutions that Kenneth was alluding to before that's better, more data. We need something that's not just Tesla data to verify that this can work in the real world. We need other manufacturers, Volkswagen, whoever it may be, to say, no, we also have a solution that maybe is not at the same level that Tesla's producing, but here are six criteria that we can at least check off that we are doing very well and then see how they compare. Um, that's that's the thing. You need more, more manufacturers doing the side of the same thing because they may encounter situations that Tesla hasn't encountered yet and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and I mean, I know the roads in Canada are precarious, especially in harsh winters with all the salt in the roads. Florida is known for road deterioration all the time. There's always construction and resurfacing going on. Well, all of a sudden, you know, we've seen demonstrations where it handles certain construction zones and things like that. But what if you're construction zones on a local street and your speed limit is 25. It can handle that, I think, a little bit easier because you have more time to get in data from the cameras. It's a bit different when the speed limits are 65, 70, 75. So a lot of questions I think is great what we're seeing so far, but I also can say that there's a lot of scenarios we haven't yet encountered that we're not sure FSD can handle today. Down the road, sure, but right now I would say it's, it's still uh, you know, being a little bit conservative. Just to your point, Eric, um, because I had an article that I had bookmarked some time ago. I'll just read you really quickly here. This was dated on uh, November 19th of this year. Um, this comes from uh, Metro.us. U.S. regulators open process to ensure self-driving car safety. The U.S. auto safety regulators on Thursday said they were opening a formal regulatory proceeding that would eventually result in the adoption of new safety standards for autonomous vehicles. So they're definitely looking into this as a you know, as a blanket thing that's going on. So yeah, yeah. you make a good point, but it yep. looks like they're it's aware a, yeah. of it and it's coming. So. Yeah. And it's a young industry. You know, if we have this discussion in, in 2030, it'll be a completely different discussion because there'll be so many advancements. The connectivity is another aspect that needs to occur. You know, the vehicles are talking to each other in millisecond times as they're traveling down the road then they can kind of figure, oh, you're going to go here, I'm going to go here, okay, you're slowing down, whatever. They can be that aspect to help as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm big on anything to help with safety and to help drivers yeah. be better drivers. I think a lot of people sure. need to look at this self-driving thing or whatever technology you want to call it yeah. as more of a safety feature. It'll become, eventually yeah. it'll be like standardized, like airbags and ABS and traction control. These are all safety yeah. things that every car now has. Um, matter of fact, I've been watching a lot of FSD videos. I, I watch a, a number of them. Um, one of the videos I saw today, um, the guy was, um, was driving down a road and this little old lady was crossing the street all by herself. But she was really slow, and the car saw her, and it slowed down, waited, and she crossed over the other side, and she started crossing the uh, the uh, the line, and the car very slowly went around her and came up to the stop. So they definitely have yeah. pedestrian detection in the systems at this point. Um, I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, you know, there's lots of videos where you can see disengagements where the car does something very weird and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. um, what's most impressive for me right now is, you know, oncoming traffic left turns. 
that's super impressive. And mm-hmm. um, for the most part, it's it's it, it actually works quite well. The other ones too is that when the car comes up to a stoplight or a stop sign and it's obscured by parked cars, the car will stop and then it will actually slowly creep up like a person was, and it actually puts up a, a display down at the bottom, you know, creeping up to see around the corners. The cars are actually behaving like people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it wants to see around the corner. It's very impressive what they're doing there. So it's all in the name of safety, but I, I have talked to a few people and they say that there are times when the car does really weird things and it's like, yep. it's pretty scary. So it's still early days, but I think it is. Wh- what we're seeing is 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 tremendous progress on, on Tesla's behalf. Now, as far as when their robo-taxi fleet's going to happen, I don't know. I'm not interested in participating in that myself because I value my car a little too much. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I think it'll happen eventually. I mean, I, I do wonder, though, uh, to that end, is it like, would you feel comfortable if more than half the cars on the road were autonomous? Because it's not even so much the drivers per se, but also we just know there are a lot of older vehicles that don't have certain mm. safety features um, that maybe have certain blind spots based on the A-frame. It could be that, um, you know, they don't have anti-life braking systems. They have antiquated seatbelt technology. I mean, there's a number. I mean, we know there are drunk cars out there that don't even have airbags in their systems. So I, I would I would think that if, as long as you're putting more autonomous capable even if they're not fully autonomous vehicles, that there's some OTA updates or some other, you know, flick of a software switch that they can become safer vehicles over time, then that's certainly advantageous. Because um, even even if, let's say Tesla has, let's say, and I'm being aggressive here, one million cars on the road sometime next year, which I know is a pretty high number, but let's just assume it's for the sake of the argument, a million cars on the road next year. There's still how many more millions of cars that are not that? Um, and in various markets where it's very densely populated in California, sure, there's a lot more electric vehicles in California, but in a more um, rural state, say like Missouri or even Texas, which, you know, makes sales of Tesla vehicles a little bit more restrictive. Is it going to be safer to drive your car there if you have autonomy? So there's a lot of unknown variables here, but I still think it's worth thinking that we just need a lot more EV capable or uh, EV vehicles or at least autonomous vehicles on the road to make it so that if you have a, a robo-taxi fleet, you would feel comfortable as an owner saying, you know what, I'm good sending my car out there because the chance of it being hit is now less than 50% because there's, there's more than enough cars to compensate for that. I would I agree. I, uh, I don't know if the, my my objection to having my car in the fleet would be that, and I'm wondering if Trev is on the same boat as me. I think once FSD proves itself, and I mean it's proved itself astonishingly well right now. Mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff. Did you guys see the video, by the way, where the guy was going down a residential street and somebody just whips the door open in front of the car? And I haven't seen that, but that's one of my biggest fears. What does it do? Ooh. It was. It reacted faster than any human. This is what mm-hmm. gives me confidence that this system ultimately will easily beat humans in orders of nines in terms of its ability to react because it didn't blink it just instantly shifted to the left crossed over partially into the other lane avoided it oops what like the time yeah i mean you know it happened so fast as a human driver if i was even remotely distracted i wouldn't even see it see the biggest problem that i see now these days and it still happens on a daily basis is distracted driving this is the biggest thing that we face today everybody's on their damn phone yeah and you know it's a huge this problem. is the thing, and I'm based on that incident, and I think the fact that it's going to evolve a lot further past that, I think it's going to be able to detect a lot of these dangers and avoid them. The only thing it's going to have a hard time with, I think that humans will be superior for quite some time, is the tiny little nuances in human behavior. Like, you know, humans can distra- can detect a distracted driver, or they can see a wandering car, or 
someone mm-hmm. who's like just casually moving their head, we catch these tiny little movements that mm-hmm. a computer might not register, and we understand. I mean, we can judge to a fairly accurate degree what a car is going to do based on the condition of the car, like how it's, you know, like if the tire pressures are low, if the thing's full of holes, like, well, mm, okay, this is a person that doesn't really give a crap about much. There's a very high <laughs> chance they're going to go like full Mad Max and just come on over into the yeah. lane. There's things that we can read into a situation that are very, very subtle. I think the computer will have a hard time with. But coming back to my original point, I don't think it's the safety aspect that it worries me so much about putting my car on the fleet. It's who's going to be riding in your car. I mean, we all uh, know what people do to taxis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Nobody's getting in my car. That's kind Nobody's of what getting I in my car. I'm not interested. Yes. See, exactly. I think that's what's a bigger deterrent to uh, to putting cars in the fleet than than worry. I could I could do lift now if I wanted to. I still wouldn't want a stranger in the backseat of my car. Well, the saving grace is that all Model Threes and Ys have the forward-facing interior camera. And Mm -hmm. Tesla hasn't done anything with it yet, but they had the forethought of putting that into the cars way back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and we're on the cusp of seeing, let's call it version 11 for all intents and purposes, which I understand is probably going to be released next week. It's going to have a ton of new features. And um, Elon did say, or responded to me at one point, um, that uh, they would add that that camera as part of uh, sentry mode. Now, I don't know if yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be in this release. I'm just saying that that it is on their whiteboard at some point to be yeah. putting in. So there is that in the sense that once they do the robotaxi fleet, that that is already there. And, you know, maybe you can monitor your your passengers. And, uh, you know, if anything happens that's untoward, well, you can, you know, send them the cleaning bill or whatever the case may be. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It's like, no, my car is worth too much for me, and I'm, I'm not putting it into the fleet. Um, so, Ken, I, you know, kind of going back when we were doing the show, the off, what, what was our most oft-repeated mantra on the show? <laughs> you put me on the spot because I don't remember what I had for breakfast today. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, um, I don't know. You'll have to remember. Okay, well, I'll give you the hint. What was the, what was the year everything was supposed to happen? Oh yes, the two thousand and twenty. Twenty twenty was the year. All right, so this was the, the heavens would part and EVs would fall from the sky. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. So <laughs> I, I wanna, I want your opinion here. Maybe you can give a, uh, you know, kind of a, a you know, like a, a report card here, a, a grade. Sure. What, what would you give the auto industry as far as following through on their twenty twenty promise? Well, Tesla would get an A. And that's no surprise, or maybe an A-plus, because they're trying real hard and they're just cranking things out to continue to move the yardsticks forward. So there's no no lack of passion. Others like VW are finally getting to, to the place where they want it to be, where they've been forced to a point to get to. But the industry as itself, I would I would give a very low grade. Um, you know, basically, well, especially if you look at 2020, I would give it a failing grade because we're nowhere near where we thought we would be mm-hmm. um, four years ago to where we are now. Having said that, though, I am very optimistic about the, the next decade coming up with uh, more and more automakers finally starting to get serious. You know, GM putting a lot of money into Altium and plants. And yes, they're starting with, you know, big Cadillacs and big pickup trucks, but that's fine. They're, at least they're going to get into it. And, and that'll percolate down, you know, with the, the second-gen Bolt and things like that. Things will percolate down. Toyota's finally, you know, said, hey, I think we're going to get into it and build an all-electric vehicle. Great, you know, because they need to. Um, so I think there's definitely hope. And I, I, I think we'll see the transition to change happen a lot quicker in this decade. 
um, that we did in the last four or five years uh, that I've been uh, following and monitoring the industry. FineLab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Did you see what the uh, president of Toyota said today? Not today, no. Ooh. Was it something smart, I hope? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, might have to no, retract. He, he said, then. and I'm paraphrasing, the I hype about electric. the worst thing he could say as an auto oh, manufacturer uh, leader yeah. and then go deeper. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of the hype about electric vehicles, talking about pure electric vehicles, yeah. is overblown. And I think it's a, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction because, you know, the, uh, the Japanese government announced the ban of electric vehicle sales. I'm yes. sure you're aware of that. But um, Toyota, of course, has been dabbling with hydrogen and all these other things and not really going full in on full BEVs. They're still, you know, messing around with their hybrids and stuff. And they seem to be very resistant to doing anything. So, you know, with an attitude like that, man, are you guys going to be business in 10 years? It's going to be interesting. I mean, um, I th I, the answer is yes, because uh, if you really peel the, the layers back on the onion, there's a lot of vehicles out there from a global perspective, right? Every year, I mean, this year we, we were supposed to see roughly 85 to 90 million sales uh, in units sold for LVD, light vehicle, or LDV, light duty vehicles. So cars, SUVs, pickup trucks, that kind of stuff, the non-commercial uh, the market will probably finish in the 75, maybe 78 range. So it's going to be down 15 to 20 percent. Whereas EVs, of course, I think we're all tracking the numbers. They're most likely going to be up from last year, which I'm, I'm very glad on. Uh, so that market, the market share of EVs will increase. And also the, the market growth within the EV sector, when I say EVs, I say plug-ins, will also grow. I don't, I don't include just strict hybrids uh, into that uh, mix. Uh, so Toyota, I mean, the facts are there. Toyota should be looking at those facts and saying, "Boy, this shift has happened. The boat has start, you know, has righted. You know, it's made that turn. We better get on that." And if they're refusing to do that, it's, it'll be more than a decade or two. You know, I think it's you know we're looking at looking at twenty, thirty, maybe forty years before we really see a huge, huge population of plug-in vehicles, predominantly battery electric. Because, you know, I don't know how many vehicles are out there in the world, but they're hundreds of millions, right? So it's going to take a long time for that fleet to change, but it will change. And it'll start changing sooner than later. No, they we, have the Prius. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? You have more the than one kind. The savior of mankind. Right. There's more than one kind of Prius. I mean, yeah. I, I tend to think of this mentality um, from auto leaders um, in the executive branches of these companies. Uh, and I know Bob at GM was one of the uh, Bob lots. <laughs> At yeah. Bob Putz, as I call him, uh, really, really sort of started this, is I, I sort of compare it to this. We know that there's a variety of religions in the world, but one of the fastest growing sections of that are those who are non-religious. They're those who don't believe in religion, and those are atheists. Atheists are growing in a certain number. Now, they're small in percentage total to the number of people who either believe or don't believe in a prophecy. Um, but to me, the EV market are like atheists, which is they're small in number, but they pack a punch and it's growing in number all the time. 
to ignore that is a fool's errand, especially if you're in the business of trying to make money. Um, so I know the Volkswagen and other companies have had their sort of tit for tat back and forth uh, experiments with this, but ideally they're they're starting to come around. We need to do something, and with the Rivian uh, of the world, and and uh, you know with Porsche now having their vehicle, like we're just more and more companies need to do this. Um, but you can't, you can't in this era of technology, in this era of advancement with EVs, be the one voice going, "That's cute." Not for us. Like, <laughs> and you can if you want to do that. If you want to continue selling a certain brand of vehicle, I just know that your your top leadership or, or your positions in the rankings as far as how many sales you have, it's not going to take long if you start dropping precipitously into the lower tier because you're not going to be running a product that people ideally want. I mean, imagine if Toyota killed the Prius. How are their sales of their vehicles go overall? They wouldn't be number one. I think it's interesting to see what, um, I mean, if you listen to the, well, if you read the announcement that the Japanese government made, they said specifically that they will not penalize their auto manufacturers for not switching, but it's about honor. And that's a big, I mean, that's a Japanese culture thing, right? They it's want huge. to make sure that, yeah. So for them, they mm -hmm. say, we, we expect them to do the right thing. So like, to me, it's like, oh man. You're uh, you're biting into the honor thing, right? So for them, that's a big deal. So we're hoping that they take that to to to, to heart. But you know, when you when you hear Akita Toyota and you saying things like, oh, you know, it's overblown, and I'm like, guys, come on, get with the program, you know. Anyways, um, just you, remember, don't you don't have to have that ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> you should have that ice cream. <laughs> and remember, uh, VW last year was the number one OEM on the planet with over 10 million units sold in 2019. Uh, Toyota was second. So, you know, they're not the big gun. Renault, Nissan Alliance, third, GM, fourth. I pulled up a sheet while you were talking. So thanks for that, Eric. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the transition's happening. And when you hear automakers saying we're going all in and they really start putting money towards it and you see plants being retooled or, and supply chains and contracts being inked and all this stuff, then that's real. You know, just headlines isn't. But when they when they start putting those things in place, and VW has really stepped up quite fast yeah, to do have. that. And I'm so excited for some of the other manufacturers you mentioned as well. But but we do need the big guys to really go big mm -hmm. because that's where a bulk of the numbers come from. Rivian is going to be great, but what are they going to sell the first couple of years? 50,000 units, maybe 100,000? Yeah. You know, it's going to take them some time to wrap up. And I, and I think I think the yeah. if, if a manufacturer were to come out and say, we're exploring this, we're going to look into it, we're going to see how we can transition uh, to either expanding our fleet to incorporate electric vehicles or to replace our ICE production lines with solely electric vehicle production, then that's one thing. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather they come out and say, we're not sure when it'll happen, but our current projection is over the next 10 years, our goal is to have X number produced out of this plant uh, for, for EV. But to blindly just say, yeah, you know what? It's not for us. Okay. Like, that's, that's I mean, you can say that, but I also feel like you're, you're the like, what's that adage of the best time to plant a tree was yesterday? The next best time is today. Mm -hmm. Those companies need to take that mantra on to heart. Like, really, you need to start doing it now. Don't worry about your ice sales five years from now. You need to worry about starting to get the ramp up to EV going on today. For sure. And Trevor mentioned you know, hydrogen fuel cell. I would love to be in a fuel cell vehicle. I looked at the new, uh, what is it, the Mirai? The new Mirai. Right, at the auto show in February. Great car. 
So I asked the guy, well, where can I charge? But you can't can't fuel it. There's a place downtown that you can fuel it. So I got to drive 60 kilometers each way just to put fuel in it. It's not going to happen. No, no, no. It's not going to happen. So hydrogen's going to burn to try to get home. No, no. I mean, no. My favorite expression is hydrogen, the fuel of the future, and it always will be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole hydrogen, the, the, the fuel cell thing was just a, a dead on arrival. It's just the infrastructure is not there. And honestly, I mean, compared to, you know, the electrical infrastructure, which is literally everywhere, nobody wants to put the money into infrastructure to change it. You're just changing one economy to the other. But anyways, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it works, hydrogen it works for large commercial fleets. You know, yeah, you know, and that's true. Kind of there's there's where a, you can you can build a charging station and get the payback there, over 10 years. There 20 is years. a time and a place. And I agree with you with that. If you're doing dump trucks or buses mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that, you can do that. But passenger cars, it's just yeah. I mean, it's just not going to work. Anyways, it I want to go well for the Hindenburg. <laughs> oh, no, it didn't end well for the Hindenburg. Ooh, yeah. uh, anyway, I, I, want, park that thing, I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to go back because you, you brought up a manufacturer and I want your opinion on this. Yeah. Now, I know you're not a pickup guy or anything like that, but I want your opinion. What do you on, mean I'm not a pickup guy? I used to drive pickups way well, back well, when. Drive, but did you own one? Right. I've never owned one. So. No, I've never owned a pickup. That's correct. <laughs> no, no, yes. but, uh, but I, want, I want to hear your opinion of the next market that's going to be disrupted yeah. and i hate to use that word but it's true yeah. that's what's happening i mean the rivian uh the Cybertruck, uh what's the other one the the, the hummer ev um mm-hmm. what, what's your opinion yeah the ball ba- well the bollinger, bollinger to a little less Lordstown, yeah. atlas i think we can all kiss nicola goodbye oh for the kick, pickup yeah. trucks anyway yeah, that's another one what's what's your opinion of that market yeah. do you think it's uh it's it's ready to go um I, I think it's it's getting there uh and when you say disruptive you're absolutely right i think a lot of analysts are using that term and guys that are looking ahead because when when we start seeing that marketplace get saturated with evs and people starting to buy it then now they're saying wow if if i can get an electric vehicle to do this in a pickup truck why can't i get it as a as a my daily driver you know soccer moms or or whatever just going to work because if the capabilities can do all the things i need to do in a pickup truck then why would i not and then looking at tco and all the other benefits that we all know uh, especially pure pure EVs bring. So I think you're right, Trevor, that will be a disruptive market in the sense of really kicking up the the um, the light, shining the light on the EV marketplace and kicking up the interest because we all know that there's, it's just a huge market, um, especially when you when you factor in commercial side, you know, businesses and, and fleets and stuff as well. Uh, municipalities, governments, everywhere. There's there's SUVs, pickup trucks that are in that market. Uh, you see, I'm not a pickup owner yet. I do have a reservation for a Cybertruck. I would. I mean, love Snell to and Gertz is now. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, my impression with with the pickup truck market or owners or whatever is like they they're almost like a, a like an entity unto themselves. It's like oh, it's okay for you know small suvs and cars and those kind of things to be electric but but pickup trucks have no business being electric i just get that weird impression from them it's just like the last bastion of being able to switch over and and that's what's particularly exciting to me to see you know the manufacturers like paying attention to that and wanting to get into that market um because I think it's it's just it's like okay here you go this is the light I mean we've proved it with cars we've proved it with SUVs and now if we can just conquer mm-hmm. this this last market segment is is kind of game over I mean I understand there's a lot of people out there that are like well I'm you know I'm not interested in electric I, I get that I mean you know not everybody's into hydrogen whatever um, but it's just like you know what if Tesla and Rivian and others can come out with a pickup truck that's actually very compelling that can do 
everything a pickup truck can do or better. And in my opinion, it needs to be better because that is the same mantra that Tesla did with the Model S. It's not enough to just have a Model S. It's got to be demonstrably better so that people understand that this is a viable option. So I think in a lot of ways the pickup actually, you know, really need to be better. If you study what Rivian's done, I mean, they're going after the activity market. So they got all these really neat, um, you know, kitchen appliances that they want to do. And they've got that really cool tunnel between the cab and the, and the, and the bed and the fold outdoors and all this other stuff. I think they're going to do exceptionally well. Uh, then you got the Cybertruck, which is more of a utilitarian thing. And that's more of a, a bespoke car in the in the sense that I think Tesla was like, fine, you know what, pickup trucks are all about towing one ton, two ton, or an aircraft carrier, and it's got to be the toughest thing on the market. So fine, let's just give them the toughest truck ever. Like, here's no paint, stainless steel, it's quarter inch thick, you can't damage it. There you go, done deal. Um, plus all the other things like you know the built-in air compressor and you know the 240 volt outlets and all that other fun stuff. So I think in a lot of ways that's that's going to do well in that market segment. Um, I mean, aside from the looks. Like, speaking of looks. What do you think of the Cybertruck? Me? Are you yeah. asking me? Yeah, yeah, I'm asking you. Tell well, me I mean, it looks is I'm a modern guy. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it. You don't uh, hate I it? did a I did get some feedback when it came out and I talked about it on two episodes. I got a lot of hate mail on that one, but mm. um I don't I don't dislike it at all. I think it's a cool-looking vehicle. I'm a sci-fi guy, I'm a Star Trek guy, all this stuff. I go way back. So I like the futuristic. It's definitely going to serve a purpose. It's going to get people that may not have thought about uh, a pickup truck electrified into it. So it's going to be good that way. Um, where my disappointment with it, with it was that based on the unibody approach, it limits the amount of options uh, and what they can do with that vehicle to other markets. So I agree with you 100% right? on that. That was my I only did. feedback. Yeah. That, but if Tesla only wants to look at that marketplace, great. Because the Fords, the GMs, maybe the FCAs, the Dodgers, who knows, and all these other guys will fill that part. So there's lots of room for everybody. Yeah, that, that, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember a couple of years ago when Elon was on Twitter and he was asking for public feedback. What would you like to see in the pickup truck? I raised my mm -hmm. hand and I said, please make it so that... It's more generic in the sense that landscapers can buy it, delivery trucks yeah. can buy it, so they can put whatever bed. Of course, they didn't take that. So I was that yeah. was my opinion. I thought it was, you know, that was a missed opportunity. And you're right. There are other manufacturers that, mm -hmm. that will probably take that up. But I think they, they kind of missed. I mean, it, it's not to say that they probably can't do something in the future. I just thought, well, mm, that was kind of a missed opportunity. Because if you look at pickup trucks, by the nature of how they're built, ridgeline aside, you mm -hmm. know, it's body on frame. Pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Take the box off, put whatever you want on the back. So I understand where Tesla is going with that, but I thought, hmm, uh, they kind of missed Yeah, I think for Tesla, it was economies of scale. It was how quickly can we get into this? That's the easiest approach to build and to stamp and to get it out there. And then maybe, as you said, Trevor, we'll look at something later on. But they, they have their hands full, you know, dealing with what they want to do and moving forward. And the rest of the players will pick that up. Because if you look at Ford as an example, who is, you know, the number one selling vehicle uh, uh, worldwide was the Ford F-150 pickup truck last year in 2019. Most of that was North American buyers or the America buyers, but still, it says a lot. Second largest selling car, the Toyota Corolla. So you've got a you've got a tale of two two worlds there. You've got a seventeen thousand dollar, you know, go go to get groceries and go to school car, and then you've got you know 
um, a pickup truck a workhorse and that that's the mentality of the marketplace so to to be able to satisfy those needs is a good thing uh, so I think you know cyber trucks uh, will do well I know there's a lot of reservations I, I can't wait to see it on the streets but we still need more because as you said Trevor we need those other areas the businesses all the customizations you know there's f-150s 250s 350s 450s five I mean it just goes on you can you can do almost anything with the, with the, with the f-series uh, designs and then there's also the commercial trucks that Ford mm -hmm. and others make too that sure. also are a big part of that. I mean, yeah. in, in thinking too, like to me, I look at truck owners, there's two kinds of truck owners. There's those who need a truck for work purposes, for the nature of the business that they do, and those who just want a truck. I want to sit higher. I want to be more, I want to be fiercer. I want to, you know, just be able to, <laughs> I, I want to both smoke out my One exhaust. of these guys here, not me. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I, I tend to think it's yeah. if Tesla did their homework, I would venture to think that they did their study and said, we know the majority of guys who are the want guys are not the people who are going to buy a battery operated truck. They want the horsepower. They want the sound. They want the feel. They want the gear shifter. They want to be able to just drive a classic good old truck. Those who need it. Uh, for work purposes, for commercial transport, et cetera. Those are certainly the audience that you can target. And that's where the Cybertruck, we've talked about it before. I think we think the Cybertruck will do well for fleet use uh, exactly. for those various purposes, more so than the want audience. And I think the commercial audience is smaller number by far based on the stats you just pointed out, which the number one selling vehicle is. And so I think that'll sell well in that market, but the personal owner sector, not so much, I think, with battery, at least not for a while. Just to be perfectly clear, I have never owned a pickup truck, and I've never wanted a pickup truck. To me, the Cybertruck, the way I look at it, and I'm with Mark Benton, it's more of an activity vehicle. It's not a pickup in the in the pickup sense. To me, it's like, okay, gives me the interior volume that I'm used to with the Model X. That's what I really like, plus the ability to have a place I can chuck stuff in the back and not worry about my Fabergé egg, so to speak, right? So if the car is a little larger, sits higher up off the ground, kind of handles like a, a Model X, I'm all good. And that's the main reason why I, I wanted that. If it wasn't, I'd be looking at maybe a Rivian or something like that. But I don't want a pickup truck just for the sake of it being a pickup. It's just like I'd like to have something that's a little bigger again, that has a little bit more utility, and something I don't have to baby quite as much. I mean, I baby my car a little bit, and and I enjoy that. But after, you know, I can't do it in the winter months and stuff. So it will be nice to be able to take it to car shows and kick the doors and have some fun with it a little bit. <laughs> Just don't throw steel balls at the windows. Uh, <laughs> That's another story. I was thinking the exact same but, thing. Uh, don't have but you're right. Over. Just remember, Eric, and I know you guys know this. Um, one of the things that we've done, because Trevor has done a lot of public outreach as well locally when we do events and things like that, talk to people. You get the gearheads that like horsepower and torque. You get them interested. You say, you know, my EV can do this. Really? Yeah. And it's got this torque vectoring electronics. So in a flash, you know, I can power each wheel individually. So if you're trying to you know climb a 40 percent crate or something this puppy can do it that those kind of conversations get people interested now they go wait a minute really can do that in that thing that i plug in can you know you... that a tacoma can tow a yeah. space shuttle yeah well the cybertruck can tow three of them can, can you're in sales i mean i was in sales a yep. long long time you're probably just like me in the sense that when you're talking to people when you're doing public outreach it's always to qualify who you're talking to so you can steer Absolutely. the conversation Right, you're absolutely right. You, you talk about pickup trucks, right? It, <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah, I mean, sure. we've done no, enough of true. it to know that that's what you have yeah. to do. Uh, yeah. Ian's done lots of uh, things at car shows too. I'm sure yeah. he's probably in the same thing. I mean, Ian's in in sales of sorts too. So, I mean, he's uh, promoting his wheels right behind him. Yes, look at that. Oh yeah, way, it's EV01. Uh, great <laughs> it's wheels. Or to be subliminal. 
That's right. Ken, you just got a set of uh, wheels for your I car? I did. So obviously, since I just got my Model 3 in September, winter was looming. So uh, I'm a big believer in running full winters, as I always have for many, many years and decades. So uh, having a second set. So reached out to Ian to get his advice on what I should get. And, He's the uh, man. He's the man and settled on, I think, what you drive. What you ride uh, was the Yokohama's um, Ice Guard 3s. Did I get that right, Ian? IG3s, I think? ID 53s. 53. I missed a, missed a number. Uh, and then I ended up, uh, you sent me some pictures of the EV1 rims, which I liked. So uh, I got those too. They're great, by the way. I, I, love I put mine. those uh, those corner pieces on. Um I call them like the um, Trivial Pursuit pie pieces because that's kind of how they go on. And I'm just, I'm leaving them on. They're great. I love it. So yeah, yeah a lot no, of looks. I have the I've same set. A few people yeah. going, what wheels are those, man? Yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. I get compliments on them all the time. I, my wife yeah. and I are out for dinner one night. We're just sitting in the car waiting for food because everything's locked down right now. And some guys yeah. are outside sitting in the patio and they're like, look at my cars and they're pointing at my wheels. You know, they're just like, they're yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty neat that way. No, um, very good. So I definitely recommend anybody that needs winter, you know, that's going to have a bit more than an inch of snow for the season. It's worth uh, worth safety just to get a good set of winter tires. Also, I wanted to give you a thumbs up because I listened to your podcast where you had Ian on yes. talking about winter. It was awesome. So please, everybody, go it listen was. to to, uh, to Ken's podcast. And I, I don't have the link in front of me, but I will put it in the uh, show description. Any podcast player, EV Revolution Show audio podcast, yep. you'll find it on most players. And also the website is the same name. You can uh, download it from there yep. or, or stream it from there. I'll, yeah, I'll Ian, he's Mr. Tires. Really is. Tires um, and wheels. I have a middle tire. He's he has all the knowledge about it. That's the difference. Folks. I like so. to say this because I don't yeah. think me people. I mean, if you just listen to Ian talk about tires and wheels and just give him let him like free reign, people have no concept yeah. of how much material science goes into these things. Right. It's unbelievable. Most people just buy tires and like forget about them. Man, it's just it's crazy. I mean, it's we've a had this black discussion, art, right, Ian? That's what you call it, the dark arts or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the wheel industry has its complexities, but it's kids' play compared yeah. to the tire industry. It's yeah. it's astonishing. I can name on one hand people that I've met in my life who fully, deeply understand what's going on at the heart of tire performance. And it's, we're all here on the show. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I, no, no, and I do not include yeah. myself in that group. No. I have this tiny, minuscule, very surface understanding yeah. of tires. When you really dig deep into it, but yeah, you're you know to your Trev's point, that they get very little respect. It's like, what's the cheapest thing you got that holds air? You know, that's what we get all day <laughs> yeah. long. And, and I will add, Ian's oh affection God. for wheels and tires is so expansive. Here are three facts for the show uh, as per as we're on the subject. Number one, he sleeps with a stuffed rubber tire uh, <laughs> as a clutch toy every night. He can't sleep without it. Uh, number They're two, not supposed to talk about okay, that. Number two, <laughs> <Just for> therapy. <laughs> It's not Fight Club. Uh, number, <laughs> number two, he knows more about wheels and tires than he knows about his own life. He can't remember almost anything that happened <laughs> two days ago, but he can tell you what tire he installed in someone's car two days ago. And number three, uh, and this is this is true. Uh, this is this is not a lie. This is one hundred percent. As I laugh when I say this, um, he, this is true, um, keeps spare tires in his car not because he's fearful of him getting a flat but because he will gladly give you a free tire if you have a flat. Because he loves, AAA loves doing it out there. I'm the Mother Teresa of the tire world. That's, it. That's right. Mr. Right, Pavelko, why are you opening another tire shop right next to your first one? I like tires. 
What, did you think of the Cookie Monster? No, no, that's awesome. a reference to uh, yeah. SpongeBob. Uh, Why you open another Krusty Krab right next to him? Exactly. Like I will. I will <laughs> add um, that long the uh, dual motor or all-wheel drive was not in my line of thought originally. Originally, my SR you know, Plus, right? For the, for the SR way back when, and then the SR Plus. But then, you know, thinking, well, you know, we've got we've got good equity in the Leaf. Let's let's go a little higher. This is going to be. A, I'm keeping this car for eight years. I'm going to drive it to the ground. Whatever. Uh, let's go. Let's go. I've never had all-wheel drive in my life. It's either been rear or front. It's wheel amazing, drive. isn't it? And if, you know, first snow we got, I put the tires on and I, I went out to try to be a, a yo-yo on some <laughs> quiet roads and uh, couldn't get myself in trouble. I mean, you know, you find some ice, okay, you can really get in trouble, but it really makes a big difference. Folks. Can I need to come yeah. over and we'll put mine into track mode? Watch, yes. what <laughs> Watch what happens. <laughs> Look at Ian. All I know <laughs> I'm the unicorn of the group. I have a long range rear wheel drive. Yeah. Midnight uh, Silver Metallic, classic uh, collective car, awesome. and no modifications. So Track mode, snow, and an open yeah. parking lot. Holy crap. I just wish they gave a handbrake. I just missed the donuts. Oh, you don't you know, need I it. I missed the handbrake. You don't. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I know. No, that, and that's true. And I mean, you know, like, I, I was absolutely destroyed. My first vehicle, it had no... But we're not condoning donuts, donuts, by the way, folks. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. No, no. That's it. My understanding is Canadians love donuts. We, we do. Am I wrong on that? Do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the do not try this at home variety. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. <laughs> not not a croiler. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's it. But no, you you do not need a handbrake in in uh, in the Model Three in no way, shape, or form. No, no. As long as you have track road, man, that's all you need. That's oh, you. but what it, what it, it does inspire confidence, though. But you have to remember that confidence isn't. You have to be careful with that. It can lead to stupidity if you're over, you know, playing the thing. So what I found so far and the, and the few snows that we've had already and some of the coldness is I just trust the vehicle is going to go in the direction that I want it to do, even at some speeds, making a sharp turn or something. As long as I don't overdo it and get out of control, if I do, it writes itself right away. It comes back really easy with the traction and, and the system. So it's a very nice experience. And I'm sure, and I know that, you know, the Model 3 isn't the only vehicle that provides that. Just for me, this is a new experience because I've never had that sort of systems in place. Track, yeah, tra- I, track I, mode I, in I, the I, snow is almost like having your own very, like your own tank, tank mode. Oh, 360 wow. donuts. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, even even like for me, I mean, hydroplaning is a concern here in Florida yes. with the rain we get in the summers. And even just easing off the accelerator because of how quickly it can decelerate, that alone is actually safer than just trying to break the car. And the reaction time is so much quicker um, that when I am going into a turn or something happens where I can, I can feel the car sort of, you know, the car, it's just kind of a little bit of a jiggle on the road mm-hmm. just by decelerating, quickly taking the pedal off. It, almost, it just writes itself so quickly, which is really, really good to know. One no, other... Go ahead, Ian. I was going to say, Tesla's ESC at every level is some of the best I've ever driven in mm-hmm. my life. Um, it's so uh, unobtrusive in the way that it functions. You know, I, I've driven a lot of them that were safe, but they really are very brisk and, and kind of just harsh in the way they interrupt the car's, you know, action. I find um, the rear-wheel drive can be a little bit harsh in terms of how it instantly reacts and, and tries to keep the, the car into a tight line. The all-wheel drive system out of the gate is a little looser. Like, Ken, I'm sure you noticed, you can get about five to eight degrees of yaw in the car before it finally goes, okay, that's enough, yeah, buddy. Exactly. Just let you get a little bit out, yeah. Exactly. But the most astonishing thing, and I, I sound like a broken record in this, but is when you're in track mode, whether you're on asphalt or on glare, ice, or snow, I call it hand of God mode because it's incredible the hooning you can get away with. And just when you think <laughs> that 
that's it. I'm out of control. I'm going into the trees. And when I was doing lead car on a rally, that almost happened once when I was way past the car's limits. And I thought, you know, I didn't even have the time to say to my navigator. I said, okay, this is it. The car is going to go across the road. And if the bank doesn't hold us, we're going to wind up upside down in the trees. That's how fast we were going. And I felt the back end kick out and we were in full track mode. So it was allowing about 30, 40 degrees of yaw. And at the very last second, it went, mm, that's enough, buddy. And it just tucked us back in. And like the whole five seconds, I didn't breathe. I think I put it out there on Twitter. And you can just hear me kind of go. And the car just went. Whoop. I mean, I was so blown away. Like as a human driver, I couldn't have executed what that did in that moment. So even though it's allowing you to do all this crazy stuff, it still knows exactly at the point where this is going to go pear-shaped. Nope. Come on back. <laughs> yeah. it, it, a couple of things it, I most wanted to mention as car. well when we talked, when we looked at for our next BEV and, and on the Model 3, that's really improved is the app. I remember when it first came out, there was a lot of complaints about the connectivity and the slowness and what you could do. Uh, with Nissan, it had an app. It was a good app. Did I use it a lot? No. I used it for the telematics more than anything, to be honest with you, just to keep track of my mileage, um, CO2, how much I'm saving, all that kind of stuff. It was really good that way. As a day-to-day -day app, that was okay. Sometimes it would take a couple of minutes to connect, a couple of tries. I found with the Tesla app now, I'm using it every day mm -hmm. for different things. Popping the trunk as I'm walking in with my hands full. I put those... Um, uh, the struts on that push it open. I don't have the automatic ones, but mm -hmm. the ones that, so I'm using that. So all these little things I'm using, preheating now, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been using it. It's been really, I'll really give good. you a recommendation there, Ken. You need to go get Stats app. And Stats app? Yes. Okay. Put that on your I, phone. I downloaded the Nikola one. Is uh, that not, no, it's good too. Much info, no, though. but try Stats app because okay. it allows you to tie to your to your Tesla account, just like the Tesla mm -hmm. one does, but it has a whole bunch of shortcut voice command type features. So, you know, you have an Apple Watch, you can just say, yep. hey, dingus, open the trunk and it'll oh, do it. Okay. It's really cool. I so will look at that's that. my recommendation. I will look for that. And the, the last decision, the final nail uh, for that decision was the safety. I mean, when you watch the crash videos, when you watch mm. NCAP and IIHS and everybody, it's just amazing what what Elon's done, and he's and he's harped upon that from day one, right? Safety is our core. How they built and constructed the vehicles, and they really are, you know. And I showed my wife some of those crash tests, and she goes, "Wow!" I said, it, "It's not doesn't mean you know nothing could ever happen, but right. you want to have something that gives you the best protection that you, that you can afford in a vehicle." And uh, by far, they are just stunning. Super impressive. The number the number of times I've seen horrific crashes involving yeah. a Tesla vehicle, and you hear people who walked out of the car yep. i mean that's a, that's a testament to just how safe those cars are yeah well i think on that point we're going a little long here so maybe we should take some questions i did put out a tweet this morning asking for uh, any kind of feedback if people had any questions for ken or just general tesla questions or car questions so we have uh, let me see here about five questions so let's just jump in uh, first one comes from Greg, and he's from Toronto. He says, uh, which is more efficient, a Model Y with a heat pump or a Model X with a dedicated heater battery? What are the pros and cons of each? Ooh, ooh, ooh I'll answer that one. <laughs> uh, Model Y with a heat pump, way, 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 way more efficient. Um, just so that um, people are aware, the S and the X share the same drivetrain technology. Um, at the time, Tesla had equipped those cars with uh, two heaters in them, one for the battery and one for the cabin. Each one of them is six kilowatts. So if you're running them at full tilt boogie, 
Uh, that's 12,000 watts that you're consuming out of the battery. So not very efficient, uh, which is why the S and the X also have this uh, range mode that you can turn on, which cuts the battery heater down in half to 3 kilowatts, if I remember correctly. Um, Model Y, obviously, and of course the current Model 3s um, now have a heat pump. Uh, Bjorn Nyland, our friend in Norway, has done some excellent videos on that and showed that yes. they are very, very efficient. Keep in mind, the heat pump loses efficiency when the temperatures get really low because it's like an air conditioner reverse, right? So it doesn't have as much efficiency at the low temperatures, which is why Tesla did a patent where they can run the motors in a little less efficient mode, kind of reminiscent of what they do with the drivetrain on the three, uh, to generate a little extra heat. So um, I've had reports recently that um, it seems some of the Model Ys, maybe in some Model 3s, seem to be having some problems with the heat pumps recently in the in the, in the the really cold temperatures we had. So anyways, I have to follow up on that and see what's really going on. So, But anyways, definitely Model Y. So if you're looking at a Model Y um, or you're looking at a Model X, definitely the heat pump is the more efficient way to go. And that's one of the... See, that's the thing what Tesla does, right? Is every car they come out with is almost like bespoke. Um you know, the, the 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 Model Y shares a lot of things with the Model 3, but they did a lot of things different on that car. Cybertruck's not going to be different. Semi's not going to be different than that. Roadster, everything they do, it's like they stand on the shoulders of whatever developments they did, and then they take it to the next level. So, it's the, you know, they're not very much a, a parts bin catalog manufacturer. They don't work like that. Well, it's kind of like with SpaceX and NASA. Like, we know that the Apollo program was the most... Uh, successful launch system that they had, and they've now built technology reminiscent of that, using what worked at the time back in the 1960s. Uh, even though here we're you know we're 50 years later uh, past the moon landing, and yet we know like that technology works, so we're going to use that, and make it safer and better and more efficient, and now make them reusable, so it's a cost saving measure. But there, we know what works, so build on what works and just improve it. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. Next question comes from Bad Monkey on Twitter. He says, might the new adaptive headlights on the 2021 Model 3 be retrofitted onto a 2019 trim? We don't know. We don't know. Here's the old retrofit. I am Everybody so loves sick and tired of these people asking this mother effing question. Okay, <laughs> it's, a it's a good question to ask, right? But the one, thing, the one thing that I think Tesla owners have to wrap their heads around, especially if you're not cognizant of the history of Tesla vehicles and you're sort of seeing all the new stuff, if you're that into it, lease a car. Right. Like if you're going to buy a car, mm. that's the car you have. Stop hassling people. Be like, hey, show opinionators. Do you think I can actually add this to my car? Listen, if you want that car, sell the one you have and go buy a new one. Well, Stop trying to rush it for everything. That's like, it's how not, everybody else does it. I know what I mean. But the reality <laughs> is that, like I can't think of many other auto manufacturers where their owners are like, Wow, that net seat belt is really cool. Can I get that seat instead? Mm -hmm. That would be so nice. Like, just this is what your car is. I have a, a 2018 Tesla Model 3. There are certain things that my car has that other cars now cannot get. Ahem, free internet, right? Like, there's certain things I'm privy to that you can't get if I were to go new. Could I get some other features new? Sure. Do I like the new center console? Not so much, right? Like, there are certain benefits yeah. to everything. Um, but just because Tesla releases something new, a refresh, a retrofit, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't mean then can, can I get, get that it. into yeah. my car. 
Like, just relax with that. I think the sentiment comes from the FSD computer upgrade, right? Tesla offered, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you buy full FSD and your car didn't come with the FSD computer, you would get it as part of the package, and it's a retrofit. We designed it to to do that. I think that's the only case in recent memory. There were some retrofits that Tesla did offer in the Model S in the early days, but they don't do that anymore. So I think people have got that in their minds. Oh, they did it at the FSD computer. They'll do it for my mirrors, and they'll do it for the seats, and they'll do it for the trunk, and they'll do it for this and this and this. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that folks but replacing a circuit board yeah. is a whole different thing when that's actually very easy for them to do behind the glove box and it is to replace an yeah, actual well. physical component of your car like come on so you have get- to remember this isn't anything new by the way like oems they change your cars every couple of years well, right yeah. every so, three years. you know, change the headlights buy, and call it a new model year by the first gen leaf then the second gen leaf yeah. comes out oh man i bought it in 2017 i should have waited till 2018 i mean so things pin, happen, there's so. pin stripes now that's so pretty yeah. <laughs> so just to go back exactly. on this question uh can they be retrofitted uh tesla will not offer you a retrofit for that if you can buy them aftermarket maybe they'll plug in i don't know tesla like i said they change wiring harnesses quite often so you mm-hmm. know your plugs may not work um, sometimes it's not a matter of just the hardware. Sometimes it's the software, whatever they put in the cars. So if yeah, there's software changes with along with, uh, um, changes to the wiring harness for these adaptive headlights that are supposed to be coming, probably not going to work. Are they adaptive? Work. I read that they wasn't, they weren't adaptive. They're just using they, different okay, LEDs so, now. Um, when they did ones. the Model 3 refresh for the 2021, mm-hmm. there were several changes. One of them was uh, some newly designed European standard headlights. Those going in the European cars, not the North American cars. I haven't seen right. them in person. I don't know what all the changes are. Um, but anyways, I think that's what he's talking about. Because There's a couple of good videos that uh, show those uh, on dark walls and the differences. Yeah. And they're not adaptive. You, it's not like, I thought too that that round light would be the you know when you turn a corner or whatever it would move but if they don't they're fixed yeah i don't i don't know what's going on like my model x had not adaptive headlights but they had cornering lights so when you turn the Mm -hmm. wheel a certain degree an extra light beam would come on on the side and would illuminate the side of the road but uh, that's not adaptive that's just you know cornering light anyways let's move on Mm -hmm. uh the next question comes from coach da on twitter he says with ice cars compared to uh based on stats and creature comforts do you think um let me rephrase that. With ice you cars, it. <laughs> let me read this. Uh, with ice car, with ice cars compared to on stats and creature comforts, uh, what do you think are the best comparison points for EVs? Is the tech a commodity level yet? Ken, you want to take that one? Well, it's a good good question. I mean, technology now is. Um, I think what EVs have done is highlighted technology even <clears> more. <throat> So what is now being seen as standard features, you know, blind spot monitoring, all these other safety features, lane keep assist, are now becoming on ICE vehicles just as much as they are in EVs. But a lot of the, a lot of them came from the EV realm or the really higher end vehicles to start. Um, so I don't think technology is is a differentiation really anymore, other than Tesla, of course, which is very technology driven and very heavy in its use on the vehicle itself. Um, so I, I would say that, that that is really where um, if I understand the question correctly, if that if it's more towards EVs or not, I think the technology is be, is going across the board. Um, you know, implementations of lidar and all this other stuff. It's not just EVs; it's happening in, in Cadillacs and all these other vehicles that are non-EVs. So, technology is just helping to move the yardsticks forward for safety and for what people want. What do you think? If, what do you think if you're comparing like just within the EV market yep. itself? Like, how would you compare one EV to the other, other than say? I- 
I think mileage. that's part of the question. Is right. like I think, is, is it mileage? Is it? Yeah. I mean, is it range? Is it performance? Yeah. I mean, what what are what are, what do you think are the, like the key differentiators amongst that sector versus the way now like creature comforts that were alluded to for ice vehicles? Yeah, I mean, uh, another good question. So, EVs in general, especially all electrics, you know range is kind of one of the de facto standards right just you know Number nobody one. really yep. looks at an ice vehicle now and goes what do you get 600 kilometers well i get no, nobody cares about range you know? on nobody on cares right? so that's one of the deciding factors in evs and of course that comes with battery pack sizes and then you know bms and how they manage and squeak out range there so you know when i talk to people about what are you looking for as trevor said earlier about qualifying and trying to guide them into some right areas you know are you looking to do 200 miles you're looking to do 300 miles what do you need to do from a daily perspective so you know focus on that from a sizing and what you need and then you know do you need a four-door sedan do you need a hatchback do you need a suv what do you need you know what 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 stuff are you carrying are you going to be hauling stuff do you need towing capabilities whatever and then diagnose it that way to be able to decide you know which ev would be right for you um so classifying evs i think where we are now those you know maybe a year or so ago we hit the 200 club mile club right that was kind of where you needed to be you know three years ago now it's like 300 miles mm -hmm. if i'm using us or uh 420 kilometers or whatever that number is that's kind of like the, the the table stakes now and i think it'll go a little higher i think this decade over the next few years we'll see 400 maybe 500 mile kind of as that's it and then do you need more beyond that not really if you've got good enough charging and um, you know most of the driving use cases, nobody's driving 500 miles in a day, uh, you know, and to go to the store and back. What, what about the guys that says I'm never going to buy an EV unless it does 2,000 yeah. miles on a charge and I can charge it in five seconds? Well, that might come <laughs> in 20 years. Who knows? I mean, look at Aptera. You know, they're claiming 1,100 miles now on that uh, on their top of the line model. Um, that doesn't charge in five minutes, but it charges pretty quick. Yeah, we haven't quick, even so, seen what the Roadster yeah. can do yet. I mean, we, we know the rough the numbers, but it's yeah. going to be exceeded on the five. Yeah. I would, I would have to imagine the people, and I had this conversation with a guy one time who doubted on the the livelihood of EVs down the road, and I said, look, there has to be a period twenty years ago where people thought lawn equipment, cordless, get the hell out of here, oh, right? Like, yeah. What, I got a, a weed whacker that runs on battery? What are you talking about? What are you gonna, like a nine volt? What are you gonna, right? So the advancement of technologies allowed us to now have all, like I have a leaf blower in my shed outside that like puts out 80 horsepower and it's battery operated, rechargeable battery. Um, so I think the the other part of this too, and I, and I liken this because I used to work for a certain tech company whose name I shall not mention, but when you sell computers, it starts with what's your budget? Because the budget determines then from there what we're looking at in terms of a class. And then within that class, what are the features you're looking for? So if you're looking for an EV, we're seeing now with the Model 3 that there are a lot of affordable vehicles under 40000 the Nissan Leaf, uh, a Prius if you're looking for even a hybrid. Uh, but there's a number of cars that fall within a certain price point that are within the affordable class range of a Camry, Corolla, Accord, etc. So if you're looking for something in that class, What's your price? And then look for features within that price point. That I think is a good starting point rather than just say, because if I look at a, 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 as they say, a Taken, and I'm comparing a Taken to a Model 3, those are two very different class vehicles, even though they essentially do the same thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question comes from Dan. He says, what do you think about the wiring looms to enable the Model 3 SR Plus disabled speakers? I'm assuming he's talking about the handshow kit that's available. I don't have an opinion on it because I haven't done an installation. I haven't seen one. I know that we have a long, long thread on the forum 
of people with SR pluses doing all kinds of uh, third-party mods with amplifiers and speakers and that kind of thing. I'll try and remember put a link to that in the show notes if you're interested. So I don't know. I don't really have an opinion of that. It looks from cursor examination to be fairly straightforward installation. But um, yeah, I don't know. So sorry, Dan. Can't really answer your question. So anyways... Um, let's see here. Last question comes from our friends, uh, tri uh drive Tesla Canada. <laughs> um, what do you think is Ooh. going to be in the holiday software update? Ooh, the 64 oh, oh, edition. Ooh. Well, first of all, we don't know if this is going to be the V11. I have a feeling it's going to be version 11. Um, maybe I'll start. I think the FSD visualizations, uh, that we've been seeing, namely that, uh, well, let, let me start over. The new um, status display. Um, so everybody who has FSD beta, when you put the car in park, you know, ours shows the car like from the top up. They've got this new visualization where the car's like on a three-quarter and the doors are animated and the, hunt, the, the trunk and all that. Uh, that we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to get. Um, there's a good chance the FSD beta visualizations, not FSD beta itself, but the visualizations that we've been able to turn on, I think we're going to get a portion of that. So if you've seen the new FSD beta videos where that section is much larger, it almost takes up. 50% of the screen, 60% of the screen now. Um, I think we're going to get that, uh, minus all the little boxes. We'll still get the standard little Tesla cars that we use because um, the people who have FSD beta, uh, the visualizations right now are more, uh, let's say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more complex than they really need to be. And I think that's just confidence inspiring so that people can understand what the car is actually seeing right now during this testing phase. I think Tesla will give us the opportunity maybe to dial it down or turn it up uh, when they finally come out. I think Elon kind of alluded to that. Somebody was asking about that. So I think we're going to see something like that. Um, green Waypoint. Yellow. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Waypoints. I was going to say waypoints. Yeah, Somebody asked that, about that. Well, Ooh. I had asked Elon on that. I, I mean, I wasn't the first one to ask him for yeah. that, but I did get his attention on Twitter, and he said, fine, we're going to do it. Uh, whether <laughs> whether, yeah. it make, whether it makes fine, this... Trevor. Fine, Trevor. Fine, Trevor. Bugging Stop bugging me. Yeah. Um, um, whether it makes it into this release, I don't know. Um, our friend Green, the only um, on Twitter, has uncovered quite a bit of stuff in the latest software update indicating that it looks like rudimentary waypoints are in there along with the ability to look at our sentry mode slash dash cam clips remotely from our phone. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's a good possibility we'll see that. Um, what else was there? Mm, possibility of the camera, of course, being included. The interior camera I'm talking about for sentry mode. Okay. Um, probably some new games, some new Easter eggs. Um, what else? I mean, gosh. We, and did I, you mention the UI, Trevor? Did you, there was a rumor. Well, the UI is going to might change like more Cybertruck. Yeah, the that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the latest FSD beta videos that people have been getting, mm -hmm. they've changed quite a bit of the UI. So the, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the indicator for the autopilot and the speed and all that stuff has all shifted in positions. It's very reminiscent of the, um, the, you know, the Cybertruck um, UI that they've done. I don't think it's going to be, it may not be qu quite as Spartan as what they did with the, um, with the Cybertruck UI, and unfortunately, I don't have any pictures to show anybody right now. If you Google it, you'll find some. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they're going to go quite that sparse. Um, but Elon certainly alluded that there's going to be a ton of new features in it, and some stuff that you expect, and some stuff that you don't expect. What we mean. You by know, that, would be I don't really know. great if they let you change your font. Oh gosh, yes! Please make it bigger. Old man Wouldn't glasses. That be cool? 
Yeah. No, exactly. if you wanted to change the font type, if you wanted to change the yeah. size, like people didn't change their own. No, change you know, font. no, I don't. I don't have a problem with the font type. I just have a problem with readability. I didn't ask you. I'm just telling you. It'd be great if you. <laughs> Can I please? That way, I mean, why do you, you think I have such a big phone? It? I need the big type on it because I can't. I can't see anything. I'm getting old. And I would just say that somebody new to the OTA uh, landscape, um, you don't realize how good that is until you have it. Oh gosh. Um, you know, because it, I don't. I don't think it gets enough recognition. People maybe underhype it, or some maybe overhype. But it really is something that. And again, I mentioned at the top of the show that that was one of the value props that Tesla has is that. That the car gets better or, or gets enhanced some way. Some may not be better, maybe worse, whatever. Well, but. you have to remember these are literally the only cars on the market that do this. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, 99.99% of the people out there have never experienced this and they have no concept of what it's like. Yeah. So when I tell people about the OTA thing, I say, you know, you got a cell phone in your pocket? Yeah, you got an iPhone type of thing? Pull it out. And I say, you know how you get regular software updates and get an operating system? Oh, yeah, it's so cool. I said, it's the same thing. That's right. Right. One and, of the coolest OTA releases, mm-hmm. to my memory, uh, was when I want to say it was in twenty. I think it was I think it was twenty eighteen or no, it was twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, uh, when they released the software update, where if you decelerate, if you take your foot off the pedal, the car can stop on its own at zero and put itself into hold. Mm-hmm. The one pedal driving. One pedal driving. Right. That was that was one of the biggest advancements they made. It was over the freaking air. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to remember, Tesla was late to the game. I mean, Ken's Leaf yeah. had that. I mean, it yeah. did. Worked really well. It, it was yeah. awesome. I, that's one of the things yeah. I remember the most about driving the Leaf because the at the time it yeah. was so cool. And I thought, why doesn't Tesla have that? And sure enough, we got it over yeah. a software update. And it's mm-hmm. enabled by default in every car now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's the end of the questions. You guys want to fill in anything else before we sign off? I mean, we've been at this an hour and a half now. So. <laughs> It's been a great conversation. It's been it's, it's so much fun. It is. Uh, I mean, I do, I can, I do I can, want to say, because uh, I know we do were a Rogan thinking thing about doing for a, like four hours. <laughs> right. I know we were thinking about doing a recap. I will say that a lot of good stuff happened this year uh, in the news of the electric yes. vehicle market. Um, Kenneth kind of alluded to it before about the, the sales sort of spiking when other uh, types of cars have not. Um, we know it's been a very up and down year for many of us. We know many of you in the audience uh, have had a lot of stuff going on this year. Uh, some great things happened to your family, and I'm sure some tough things. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of all of us when I say this, but we hope this final few weeks of the year you're holding up, that you're doing well, that you're staying healthy, your family's healthy, uh, that your loved ones are safe, that everyone's wearing their masks, uh, that uh, if you are uh, forced to stay inside because of the weather, that you're trying to keep yourself warm and comfortable. Uh, We know the holidays are are tough in general. Uh, They're a lot tougher this year, but we're with you all the way. Uh, If you ever need to reach out to someone, we're always reachable on social media. Uh, I'm sure you'll see our links in the description for the show, both in podcast and on YouTube. But um, it's there's a lot to look forward to. We know the year's almost over. We just have to kind of get through this. Um, there's a lot of good things happening now with the vaccine now in full swing. We know yes, there's now goodness. a second vaccine coming to market hopefully very soon. Uh, I encourage you to strongly consider getting it if you can uh, when it does come to your turn. Uh, but thank you to all the healthcare workers. Thank you to all the first responders. Thank you to everybody who's doing everything they can. Frontline workers at grocery stores and just everyone you know, we really we're, we've made it through this together. Uh, we just have a couple more weeks to go before 2021. Hopefully, fingers crossed, next year will be the antithesis of everything this year has been. So, hopefully, next year uh, better things are to come. 
And with that, Eric, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you? You can find me on social media. I am on Twitter. Uh, it's this really cool account where you got to post things by words. Uh, it's not like TikTok. I don't do the kind of thing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFIX, E-C-F-I-X. And before I sign off, one quick reminder, the 2021 Tesla calendar. Yes. I know the test calendar uh, uh, right here. Uh, again, one of the main sponsors uh, to the show is our good, beautiful friend Ian with uh, Mad Hungarian Evolveware. He'll tell you how you can get yourself some shirts for the holiday season. But get the calendar. Proceeds benefit the Rails to Trails Conservatory, uh, which takes old railway lines and converts them to safe spots for hikers, bikers, and so on. Uh, but again, go to testcalendar or thetestcalendar.com. But again, you can get that there. I just wanted to plug that one last time for the holiday season. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Excellent. Well, Ian, why don't you go next? We'll save the best for last year, and that's Ken. So where can people have a chat with you there? Well, certainly you can find me on Twitter. The handle is uh, at Ian Pavelko. You can find me Tesla Owners Online. The handle is Mad Hungarian. Uh, as Eric just pointed out, I am a sponsor of the Test Calendar, and I just got mine today. Thank you, Test Calendar people. Actually, Ooh, I got to go check my mailbox. Yeah, go check yours. I got mine. It's so beautiful. You definitely have a look at that. And uh, yes, so you Tesla Owners Online, you can you can find me there. And of course, uh, as per the ad, you can always look up my t-shirts uh, at uh, teespring.com, Mad Hungarian Evolveware. And there's a little coupon. If you buy yourself a calendar, you get an extra discount oh. on everything in the store. And uh, just to follow on what Eric was saying, I, I'll just grab a minute and say that, um, you know, I, I know it's been a tough year for everybody. I count myself extraordinarily lucky that, you know, my business hasn't been uh, affected. We we did okay, uh, both myself and Brigitte, you know, we're working, you know, everything is stable. I'm so thankful for that. But, uh, you know, it's tough nonetheless when you're not allowed to go and visit people and you're stuck in the house all day. One thing I really want to thank is, first of all, you guys here on the show. You know, that's been a huge uh, thing for me this year is being able to communicate with you guys every week or two and, and have fun and do this. Everybody out there who listens uh, and watches the show and, and comments, um, everybody in the larger Tesla community, all, all of you that have chatted up, you know, and exchanged stories and talked about all the cool things going on uh, in the EV world, that's meant the world to me. I mean, that's really raised my spirits and, and given me so much joy in an otherwise joyless year. So. Let me tell you, um, that's that's meant a lot. And uh, certainly everybody who came out to visit us on probably the last cool, truly, truly cool thing I did this year was when Mr. Uh, Mr. Page and I went bombing across the country on our Madcap Lightning run. And all of you who came out to visit us, that's not that only was... highlights here. That was a highlight of a lifetime, I'll tell you. I so enjoyed all the stuff we saw and all the people we met. That was I, epic. I, can't put into words how much that meant to me. So I just wanted to thank everybody for all of those things that, that meant a lot. And it really, um, it changed my outlook on so many things this year. And it's, I'm just thankful for it. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And uh, Ken, since you're our guest of honor this this evening, why don't you um, tell everybody where they can find you? I'll, I'll put links to everything in the show uh, description, of course. But uh, where can people find you if they want to have a look and see what you're up to? Sure thing. Well, on Twitter at, at uh, EVRevShow. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but I don't really use that too much. So you can find me, I think, at EV Revolution. Uh, certainly the YouTube channel, EV Revolution Show. Check me out there. And also, as we talked about earlier, I do some audio podcasts uh, with the same. Um, you can find it on, on most uh, podcast players. And evrevolutionshow.com is the website, the feeder site for that. So you can also find them there. Try to keep things going on and engaging and yeah i'll echo what these fine gentlemen have said as well but not taking uh, that long it's been a challenging year but there is a light at the end of the tunnel 
I do PSAs as well, Eric, on every show, and sometimes I get flack for it, but I think it's important. People need to just think uh, think what's what's logical, what you should do, and and it's going to be a great year, not only with vaccines and as we slowly move away from this. The world may never be the same, but we will be better for it as we come out of this. And you know, there's a a new U.S. administration coming in, which will add a lot of good light to the situation. Um, you know, all the other countries, you know, talking, you mentioned Trevor about banning ice sales and all that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be a great decade for the EV revolution and, and for what's going to, to go on. Lots of stuff is happening. So get excited about it. Go out and talk to people about it. If you're in an area that has an EV association or club or something, get involved if you want. Help spread the message. It's important. Uh, you know, because a lot of people, the bulk of people don't understand really what we're doing and why we're talking about and why we're excited about talking about what we do. So get out there and get involved. We will be able to shake hands eventually and talk to people without masks at some point in time. So everybody have the best holidays. Stay safe. Stay sane. Uh, enjoy your loved ones, and uh, we'll keep doing what we do to help you get through it. Awesome. Well, I guess that leaves me. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle is Tesla Owners Online. Check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. And uh, I guess you leave me some parting thoughts. I want to say a great big thank you, first of all, to our sponsors. That's uh, the guys at Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings and the great folks at uh, Evanex. Please give them some business. These are small businesses, folks. Um, they really, um, re really appreciate it. I mean, you know, people want to buy everything from China all the time, but, you know, you got to support the little guys sometimes. Um, I also want to say a great big thank you to our, um, our community, and that's not only on Twitter, but also on the forum and, um, you know, uh, on, on the Facebook groups as well. Uh, I don't think they get enough credit. I mean, these people have been with us for, you know, five years now. The forum's been five years old now already, and it's still growing. We've got some fantastic sponsors on there. Please, again, give them some business and stuff. Um, things are, are tough for everybody. I know my wife's not right here, right here. She literally is 10 feet away from me when she works down here. The poor woman puts 14 to 15 hours a day, and we're working down here, slogging away in the dark in the basement <laughs> and uh i i'm very much like you guys i really i miss my friends i miss uh hanging out with people shaking hands going out to events i'm also um part of the uh, uh the ontario tesla owners club I, I miss my friends i you know it's i'm hoping this whole thing uh blows over as soon as possible um we're going to be getting the vaccine as soon as it's publicly available to um to us um, and you know, it's still not going to be over at that point. We still got to wear a mask. We still got to do the social distance thing because it's going to take quite a bit of time for this thing to kick in. But you know what? It's amazing. They've been able to pull this off and, and make this vaccine in, in nine or 10 months. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, so kudos to all the people and the researchers out there who really pulled out all the stops, uh, to make this happen. We have no less than three vaccines that are coming out. So it's really encouraging. So hopefully 2021 is going to be a much better year. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. But it's very encouraging. So with that, I'm going to say thank you for everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, this year. Uh, this is going to be the last show of the year. We will see you very early in January, and we'll be doing another show. Thanks for listening and watching, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks. And thank you to all our guests this year, all of them. Oh, thank yeah. you. Fantastic guests yeah. this year. Everybody. Night, guys. Bye, everybody. Bonsoir tout le monde. Bonne année. What he said. <laughs>